there's more to this life than I thought. And James inspires me. The things he says have encouraged me. It's like there's a walk, there's a path, and it's leading to something more real than I've ever known before, and it's exciting. I get around James and I hear things that help me in my life, my work. This work he talks about has become my work. I am excited about the possibility that other people could be affected, other people could be inspired to work on themselves, to grow, to, to realize there's more to this life. We're going to talk about one of my favorite subjects this morning, not really, green cheese. Some people think green cheese is just moldy. Actually, what's the moon made of? <laughs> green cheese. So yes, we're going to talk about green cheese because this is one of the big stumbling blocks in the work for people. Esotericism comes from so far above us that it creates unique problems which we need to be addressing if we're going to progress. Because we're not one, we must understand the work from two viewpoints at the same time. Or we're not going to understand it properly and we'll remain out of balance, out of harmony. As you know, this work is all about balance and harmony. If you could be who you really are, you'd be happy. If you could recognize and have your sense of self, what you call I, in real I, you'd be happy no matter what was going on. We understand this theoretically. Or maybe we don't understand it theoretically. We accept it as a belief theoretically. And we hope for it or we long for it or we wish for it. We must learn to distinguish between the mechanical and the conscious in ourselves. This is part of what we talked about this morning with what's real and what's not real. We have to come to the point where we don't know what's real and we don't know what's not real so that we can distinguish between what is real and what is not real, what is mechanical and what is conscious in ourselves. At first, it's more or less mechanical because we can't be said to be properly conscious. So for us, what we have to do is not distinguish what's conscious and what's mechanical in us. We have to distinguish between what's mechanical and what's less mechanical in us. And that's a wonderful thing, really, because you can't expect too much of yourself that way. You can be a little less mechanical, but you're not going to be conscious, not anytime soon. And if you are, it's going to be gone soon. You're going to go back to sleep. A lot of people think this is pessimistic and discouraging, and that's only because they have huge sense of self-love and self-valuation. They think more of themselves than they ought to think. If you were, for example, Buddha or Jesus Christ sitting here and you heard that, you'd go, yep, that's true. We would look at that and say, well, well, they couldn't think that because they have attained it. But they wouldn't say that. We would say that, but they wouldn't say that. They would take the lower seat, just like they recommended that we do, which, of course, we won't do. Our world has two of everything of which we now perceive one. So when you see one thing, there are really two things there, at least. I'm simplifying this because I don't want to get into a lot of words and blah, blah, blah. We've got enough words and blah, blah, blah going on. We see the outer, the literal, and we remain blind to the inner hidden meaning. That's what makes it hidden. We're blind to it. What makes esoteric esoteric is the fact that it's not exoteric, the fact that it's not right out there for everybody to see. It's something that's hidden. It's something that the key to seeing it is inside of yourself. It's a matter of consciousness. It's a matter of willingness. It's a matter of attitude. It's a matter of training your mind to think in a new way, to look deeper, to not accept the surface as the only thing there is, but to look deeper, to see that the surface is a reflection of something deeper. It's okay to be blind. Life wants us blind. There's no reason why you should not be blind in life. In life, everybody is pretty much born blind or they become blind shortly thereafter because life blinds them. The first thing pride and vanity does is it pokes your eyes out. Pride pokes out one eye, vanity pokes out the other eye. And that's good because then you need new eyes. And you're not going to find those new eyes. People don't grow new eyes as a rule. You have to find eyes that you didn't know you had. That's kind of interesting because... That could be taken in more than one way, couldn't it? You've got to find eyes that you didn't know you had. That would be self-observation. You've got to find eyes you didn't know you had. 
If we wish to develop along a line apart from life, we've got to receive sight. In Matthew 15, 14, it says, Let them alone. Their blind guides are the blind. And if a blind man guides a blind man, both will fall into a pit. One of the big problems with most esoteric systems is that they are led by blind guides. I don't think that a blind guide is a bad thing. A blind guide is what we have here. On this planet, what most people get is a blind guide. Have you ever been around people who were unsighted? We call them blind. I've been around people, a lot of people who were not sighted, unsighted people. And there are some people who have more sight than others. They're legally blind, but they can see a little. And there are some people who can see absolutely nothing. They have no retina, so they have nothing that can get to the brain to let them see visually. So they have to see in other ways. So there are degrees of blindness. And what we fail to realize is that there are degrees of blindness in guides. I do not claim to be a sighted guide. I don't even claim to be a guide. I just claim to be trying to do this work, trying to understand this, and then trying to share whatever works for me with the people in my life who want to share it. And if you get value out of that, wonderful. Then everyone's value is increased. If you don't get value out of that, okay, that's not my problem. That's your problem. If you understand what I'm saying, wonderful. If you don't understand what I'm saying, that's not my problem. That's your problem. Understanding is your responsibility, not mine. It's not my responsibility to make you understand, to phrase things in a way that it will be easier to understand. I do attempt to remove some of the stumbling blocks that my personality would put in the way just because it wants to be itself. So I do attempt to remove some of those, but I can't get them all because I can't see them all. And I can't see them all because I'm not fully sighted, at least not the way I see it. How does our blindness manifest? It manifests according to our center of gravity. Men numbers one, two, and three approach life respectively through number one, the moving instinctive center, number two, the emotional center. And that doesn't mean that you are emotional. It just means that you have a lot of likes and dislikes. You notice there are some people who are very emotional, meaning they have a lot of likes, strong likes, and strong dislikes. Number three, the intellectual center. And that doesn't mean you're intellectual. It means you rely on theory. You're theoretical. These men can't agree. And because they can't agree, they inhabit the circle of Babel confusion of tongues. They can't understand one another. They can't talk to each other because each speaks a different language and none understands the language of the other. Men, numbers five, six, and seven, are in the conscious circle of humanity and they understand one another. And because they understand one another, they do something that we can't do. They agree. Something that we can't do. You notice that no matter what I say, no matter how true you think it is, you always have some objection to it. There's always something about it that it wasn't quite right. We can't agree. Doesn't mean we don't want to agree. We want to agree, obviously, because we pretend to agree on the outside. But we can't agree because something inside of us won't allow us to agree with another person. And that is our self-love. Our self-love will not allow us to agree with another person. That's all it is. It's just self-love. I must be superior because I'm better. So therefore, I've got to find something wrong with what you're saying. Even if it's a little thing, I've got to find something wrong so that I don't agree, so that I can be better than you. Passing from the mechanical to the conscious is not very easy. It's only possible with help from outside of life or from a different third force from life. So life acts as a third force. We have two forces immediate for us. The first force, which is what we want. The second force is what opposes it. And then the third force has to come into play because every triad has to have three forces. The third force for us has been life. Life neutralizes the conflict between what we want and what opposes us. That's why we can want what we want, but we don't go insane when we don't get it, when we find things that oppose us. Even if we go insane, we don't go totally insane. Life neutralizes it. The neutralizing force or the third force 
that we need if we wish to pass from the mechanical circle of humanity, the circle of Babel, the circle of confusion of tongues, men numbers 1, 2, and 3, to the conscious circle of humanity, men numbers 5, 6, and 7, we need a third force. We need some force other than life that becomes the neutralizing force. For us, that is esoteric teachings or the work. This is the second meaning of center of gravity and is a genuine feeling that the work is important. At first, you think the work is important, but you think the work is important all for life reasons. I can do better. I can get more. I will be better. I can be a better person. I can improve myself. All that self-help. And self-help belongs to self-stuff. Self-love, self-appreciation, self-valuation, self-aggrandizement. All that self-stuff. It's not going to do much for us in the long run because it's going to continue to build self. And the self that is going to continue to build is the self that we think we are. The self that we think we are is the self wherein our sense of self resides, and that is the acquired self. We don't really want to make the acquired self any more active than it already is. Not that it, we could, but it's pretty active. We want to make it more passive and we want to find something else. We want to shift those impressions, that energy, that force to something else. And we don't know what that something else is now. The best we can do is say, well, something else beside that. So we work mainly on making this something that we know, that we think we are. We work on making that more passive. We can't work on making it passive. All we can do is work on making it more passive, a little less active. And that's enough. That's how this works. That's how this work works. Many strange things are said in this work that can't be understood from a mechanical life outer point of view or meaning. This is where so many pitch their tents and live out their lives in service to the false personality. They teach others about the system but fail to practice it themselves. In other words, they're like the people talked about in Matthew 15:14. Let them alone. They are blind guides of the blind. And if a blind man guides a blind man, both will fall into a pit. Beware of someone who tells you his eyes are fully opened and he sees everything there is to see. He sees real. Just beware. I'm not saying he doesn't. I'm just saying be cautious. There are a lot of people saying that. As I've said before, I'm not saying that. That doesn't make me better. It just means I'm not saying that. People like to ascribe to me consciousness that I do not have. People like to ascribe to me because it builds their self-confidence and their self-ego and their self-stuff. Well, he is my teacher. Well, I listen to so-and-so's work. Well, blah, 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 blah. I don't have any time for that. And the reason I don't have any time for that is because I'm not trying to build this self. I'm trying to build some other self and have this be passive. I'm trying to discover real I. And because I have not discovered real I, and even if I had, I couldn't tell you what it is. I couldn't explain it to you any more than anyone else can. Because I'm not trying to build this self, I don't pay a lot of attention to that other than to say, you know, it's better to move away from that. Better not to go there. Better not to subscribe to that. I'm better because this is my teacher. Don't do that to yourself. But as I say, this is where a lot of people pitch their tents, live out their lives in service to the false personality because the false personality is the only thing you can serve in that realm. The work says that as we are, which of course is mechanical, we're food for the moon. In a literal way, this is insane. So it obviously can't be literal. The moon's not out there eating us, literally. The moon doesn't come and take a big chunk of us any more than the moon is made out of green cheese, any more than there's a man in the moon. What we need to do is not make a man in the moon, but make a moon in the man. The difficulty here is separating the literal and psychological, the material and spiritual, the outer and the inner. Literally, as our bodies are part of, of the organic film that's coating the earth, we are acted upon by the forces beyond us, the moon, the sun, the stars. Are you acted upon by the sun? Well, stay out in the sun too long and see if your skin doesn't burn. Stay away from the sun too long and see if you don't start to get sick. 
so yes, we are acted upon by forces beyond us, and we don't understand that because we take it for granted. But the fact is, when you think about it, you have to admit that the heat of the sun, the rays of the sun, do something to your body, to the physical organic film of life on this planet. Photosynthesis is a part of that. You are part of the, of the film on this planet that we call life. And so are the trees, and so are the plants, and so are all the other animals and birds and fish and whatever else. And the sun acts on that, and we react to that. The moon acts on that, and we react to that. So in a sense, literally, it's true. We are acted upon by those forces. The second viewpoint reveals that the sun is representative of higher centers, higher centers that are revealed and contacted within through inner consciousness. This is where we part company with the literal meaning of thing. This is where we say, okay, yes, that's fine. We are acted upon by the sun and we react to the sun. When the sun is on us, our bodies warm. When the sun is not on us, our bodies don't warm in the same way. We have to warm from within. When the sun is on us, then our bodies have to cool from within. And so we are reacting at a cellular level that we have really no control over at this point. It doesn't mean you can't have control over it. It just means for us, it's not a practical thing right now. For us, it takes more knowledge and more force than we have to do that. For other people, yogis, for example, who have trained their whole lives, they have the knowledge and they have the force to react or to act or to respond in a different way other than the cellular physical response that we must have at our level of understanding and our level of knowledge. Gurdjieff said, the action of the moon is like a weight controlling the film of organic life coating earth. Its influence is to keep everything where it is and it uses organic life as its food. This is what has become so misrepresented in the world's mind, in man number one, two, and three, the people who are in Babel, the confusion of tongues, who can't understand what he's saying. They can't understand that. They latch on to, oh, he says the moon is eating us, and they're lost there. But for you, you can go a little bit further. This is the point of view that reveals life on earth as a pain factory. It says that because we are machines, because we are mechanical, because we have this cellular thing going on in our physical bodies that reacts unconsciously to these influences from outside of us, we are machines. We're mechanical. The sun shines on a certain part of your skin long enough and your skin will turn red. If it shines long enough, it will blister. If it shines long enough, you will get sunsickness. If it shines long enough, you will die and you'll be food for the moon. You hear that bandied about a lot. Food for the moon. Oh, you're just food for the moon. Because it's spectacular. It's a spectacular thing to say. But it's a difficult thing to understand if you use it in a spectacular way. It's easier to understand if you use it in a more subtle, meaningful way, an inner meaning. And that's what we're going to talk about. Ospensky said, it is necessary to make moon in oneself. And this is why I said, rather than worrying about the man and the moon, start to concern yourself with the moon and the man. Start to concern yourself with making the moon in you. It is necessary to make moon in oneself. We must make something in ourselves able to resist the influences of life. Some esoteric systems call this escaping from prison. From the outer, we're driven by outside life. What we are actually is functions of life reacting to everything in the same way that machines do. Machine, you push this button, it does this. You turn this wheel, it does that. You push that button, it does something else. That's the way machines are. For us, when we are in this outer life, we are reacting to things in life. Some of those things we have no control over whatsoever. Some of those things we can gain some control over them, maybe not over them, but over ourselves so that we don't have to react. And some of those things it's prudent to work on sooner than other things. One of the things we can work on right away is not expressing negative emotions. 
We can do that right away. Those are things that we have to deal with every day. We have negative emotions all the time. So the work says start here. Why does it say start there rather than stopping your breath or stopping your pulse or lowering your body temperature or raising your body temperature? Because it's something you can do now, you have enough force for and enough knowledge for now that will get you somewhere, that will get you closer to your goal. You can raise your body temperature a few degrees or lower it a few degrees or slow down your pulse. It's wonderful. And pretty much that's going to feed false personality, self-love, and self-aggrandizement. It's no good to only accept this intellectually, that we're driven by outside life, that we are only functions of life, reacting to everything as machines do. We must see it genuinely, because this gradual realization is the beginning of awakening. I know, I know, I always talk about the beginning of awakening as if we're still beginning to awaken. And the reason I talk about it that way is because we are still beginning to awaken, and we will be beginning to awaken for a long, long, long time. I don't even think about, what about this person or that person? Are they awakened yet? You know, who cares? Don't worry about it. Don't fret about that. Don't make your life about results. Don't make your life about some static state that you imagine that you're going to reach someday, and there you will rest in a heavenly realm of peace and bliss and wonder. Just forget about that and deal with the fact of where you are in this moment and what you had to do right now. That's the important thing. Can you go with better eyes right now? Can you transform the impressions that you're receiving right now? Are you receiving negative impressions from someone in this room? Can you transform those into something higher, something better? Can you? If you make effort, you can. If you make effort where they're coming in, if you bring some powerful positive work idea right up to the level of impressions, to where you're looking at that person, to where you're taking in that impression, if you bring some positive work idea to that level, and if you apply it to the incoming impression, you will see that that incoming impression will be slightly transformed. That's all we can do now, and that's what we should do now. Don't worry about the other stuff. Yes, you heard about the other stuff. You read about the other stuff. That's unfortunate. I'm sorry. If it were up to me, if I'd had any brains in the beginning, I would have only kept it simple and only done the simple thing forever. But unfortunately, I was not that smart. And so in the beginning, I told you everything there was to know or everything that I thought I knew. And now we're going back and we're looking at all of that stuff that we thought we knew and we thought we had to know. And we're throwing out huge pieces of it. Oh, it's the hydrogens and this and that and the the Enneagram. Yeah, that's for smart people. You're not one in more ways than one. You're not one. You're not one. You're multiplicity and you're not a smart person. And if you are a smart person, get stupid fast as fast as you can. Just start to jettison all of your intelligence, your smartness. Just get rid of it. And all of the things that you think you know, put them all under the microscope. Make them very suspect. Start to doubt your belief in yourself. Start to doubt. It's a good place to be in. We've got to see this genuinely because that's the only way to really awaken. Here's the thing. It's something only you can do for yourself. I can't do it for you. No one else can do it for you. This group can't do it for you. Buddha can't do it for you. Jesus can't do it for you. Lord Maitreya can't do it for you. Nobody can do it for you. You have to do it yourself. This is anathema to fundamental Christians. Oh, no, Jesus did it all for me. Right. Then how come you're such a mess? Uh, uh, I'm not. I'm a king's kid. I'm forgiven. You know, okay, fine. Just leave them alone. My advice is leave them alone. They bite. The theory is that if we could change our responses to the daily impressions that we receive, resist the usual effects of daily life on us, we would be creating moon in ourselves. Essentially, this tells you what creating moon in yourself is. It is creating something in yourself, making a place in yourself where you can actually have something that will resist life. In other words, someone comes up to you and says, you're ugly and your mother dresses you funny. You don't have to go with what life says you do about that. I remember one time when I was in high school, 10th grade, this guy by the name of John Zinn came up to me and said something derogatory about my mother. Well, back in those days, when somebody said something about your mother, they were really calling you out. 
And so I punched him because that's what you were supposed to do. And so because you weren't supposed to fight on school grounds, everybody stopped it, but I got in a good one. Then we were going to meet outside after school, you know, over across the street and fight it out. And we did like a couple of idiots. And I won't go on with the story because who cares? The fact is I had nothing in myself that could resist the influences of life. The influences of life was all the people standing around going, yeah, yeah, get him, yeah, that. The influences of life was him saying this and me having to do that. Those were the influences of life, and there was nothing inside of me that could resist that. I had no moon in myself. There was no moon in the man. There was only man in the moon. And I was, for all intents and purposes, being run by the moon. You see what I mean? Here's another danger point. We isolate ourselves from the effects of life on us, not from life. If it's difficult, we want to run away from it and push it away. So we find ourselves isolating ourselves from life rather than the effects of life on us. We find that if we don't like someone, we just don't hang around them. Just don't go around that person. It's tough in a group because in a good group, there's going to be people you don't like. The better the group, the more people there are going to be that you don't like. Now, people who leave a group, go and find more people that they like, are idiots. That's what Gurdjieff would call them, and that's what I call them, idiots. And it doesn't matter which class of the 28 classes of idiots they are. They're idiots. An idiot is a person who cuts off his nose to spite his face. An idiot is a person who cuts off his thumbs to make his hands better. That's an idiot. And that's what you do when you move from a group where you're having difficulty to a group where you have fewer difficulties. Because it's difficulty that gives you the opportunity to work. And at our stage of development, that is people on this planet, we need opportunities to work. We don't need to be getting rid of opportunities to work. We need to be accepting opportunities to work and then bringing the work ideas up to the level of incoming impressions so that we actually begin to transform the impressions. In other words, begin to work. And once we get that new higher energy inside of ourselves, then we have something to work on and work with inside of ourselves where the real work is done. So rather than pushing it away, running away from it, we need to be actually isolating ourselves from the effects of life on us, not pushing life away from us. It's our way of taking life that we have to work against. See, we think we have to work against this and work against that, work against these things in life. No, we need to work against the way we take life. It's all internal. There is nothing out there to work against. There is nothing out there to work against. It all exists in here. It's how I take what's out there. Do you resist a certain person? Then you need to work on your resistance of that person, not get away from the person. Work inside of you on your resistance to that person. The problem is your resistance to that person, not that person. If you think that the problem is that person, you will have to work on that person. And if you can't make that person different, you will have to get away from that person. Do you see how insane that is? So that you can go and wait, what, spend years finding another person like that so that you can have the same resistance so that you can finally work on it? Whatever, waste as much time as you like. That's your business. This taking life, the way we take life, this requires long self-observation of the proper kind. Instead, we seek a better working environment by changing the outer circumstances. Get out of that marriage. Get away from that person. Change groups. Change teachers. Change this. Change systems. Our life is about change. Change really means running away. That's what change means for us. I need to change. What that means is I need to run away. I need to escape from this prison. But we have taken the prison to be an outer thing made up of people and events when the prison is an internal thing that we have made ourselves by the way we take life. So what we need to work against, again, is the way we take life. When we react mechanically, when we react unconsciously, it's said that the moon is eating us. 
Can you see how when you react mechanically, unconsciously to other people that you are being eaten, your force is being eaten, your time is being eaten, your energy is being eaten, your life is being eaten? You don't have the opportunity to live a life. You only have the opportunity to react to life. You're being eaten by the moon. All our energy goes to being negative. We don't have to do anything. Sitting in a chair, you can think and feel mechanically. You don't have to do anything. We, we love to judge people based on what they do. We like to see people who get angry and yell. And we say, well, they're really negative. Well, what does that really mean? Well, I'm really not. But of course, you're being just as negative, if not more negative, than that person. Why more negative? Why do I say more negative? Well, because they've got theirs right out in the open where it can be seen. Where's yours? Hidden in the darkness where it can't be seen. Who has a better chance of seeing what they're doing? Well, the person who's doing it in a big open way. That's why I don't have a lot of problems with people who express themselves openly, outwardly, brashly. Like, well, at least it's out there. It's the ones who sit there smiling. It's like Proverbs says, the adulterous woman wipes her mouth and says, I've done nothing wrong. Remove the evidence. Wipe your mouth. Well, I've done nothing wrong. And see, and that's what people just sitting in the chairs, quietly, mechanically judging, quietly, mechanically going through all of their negative emotions. That's what they're doing. They're adulterous, and they're just wiping their mouth after they've eaten and saying, I've done nothing wrong. And what have they eaten? Well, the other person. They've eaten negative emotions. They've gobbled them down. They wiped their mouth. I've done nothing wrong. So here you are sitting in a chair. You think and you feel mechanically and you're indulging in internal considering and account making. The moon is eating you quietly, unobserved. Each act of non-identifying saves energy. Well, what if it's just a little tiny act of non-identifying? Saves energy. Well, what if it was a habit of not identifying with that? Saves energy. What if it was mechanical? What does mechanical mean? Does mechanical mean that you consciously set the habit up that when this person comes into a room, you instantly become alert and know that they're going to say something that you generally react mechanically, negatively to? But now that you've set up this alarm clock, you hear it go bring and and you now habitually don't react negatively, you've saved energy. Non-identifying is anti-mechanical. I don't care how you do it. It's anti-mechanical. When accompanied by self-remembering, it creates higher energy, thereby increasing consciousness. Your consciousness is not going to increase unless it's got the food to increase on. It's not going to grow, expand, unless you've given it the proper energy, the proper food. And you've got to give it a better food than what you've been giving it, or else you're going to stay the way you are. The triad of isolation. Oh, sorry, I've never read this in the work. I just made it up. So crucify. And I'm sure that Gurdjieff is spinning in his grave right now and Ospensky is blithering about it now. Hell dare he. This is our work. We're the end of it all. Only we know. Right. The triad of isolation is self-remembering, non-identifying, and non-considering. If you want to be isolated from life, you need these three things. Self-remembering, non-identifying, and non-considering. It's okay with me if you use the triad of isolation to better your position. It's okay with me. You're free to use it, even though it's not in the original text. These things, self-remembering, non-identifying, and non-considering, create moon in us. Again, it gives us the opportunity to put the moon in the man. Going against habits does the same thing. It's a better idea to make the habits that you go against internal habits than external habits, but whatever you can do. The habit of being negative, the habit of being asleep, the habit of making inner accounts, the habit of hating and feeling sorry for ourselves. Isn't it interesting that the more you hate, the more you feel sorry for yourself? Have you ever noticed that? The more you hate, the more you feel sorry for yourself. I'll just let you think about that for a while. Not very long, because I have to keep going here. The earth is under 48 orders of laws. According to this work, the moon is under 96 orders of laws. Asleep, we're under 96 orders of laws governed by negative emotions, hate, internal considering, and all that other mess. Work on ourselves puts us under fewer and better laws, which means better influences. If you have better influences, you can go with better eyes. If you can go with better eyes, you can improve your state. 
You can improve the state of your being. You can improve the state in which you currently reside by going with better eyes. For example, as I've said a number of times, if you wish to instantly improve your state, no matter what great state you're in, be grateful. That is going with better eyes, and you will instantaneously be in a better state because gratitude eyes cannot exist in negative states in the same way that negative eyes can exist in negative states. Yes, a gratitude eye can be in a negative state, but it can't be there for long any more than you can swim underwater for hours because you can't breathe underwater and better eyes can't breathe under negative conditions. So they pop out of them. They will drag you with them. This is why gratitude is good. Obeying practical teachings of the work enables us to climb the ladder of being. Obedience is a big problem in America. We're independent. We don't submit to anybody except the government and our wives. Or, well, I was going to say on our husbands, but we know that's a big lie. We know it's really the other way around, that men submit to their wives. But the unfortunate thing is the feminine principle is more powerful than the, the masculine principle. And that's the big lie that we have going on on this planet, is that the masculine principle is the more powerful. And it's not, because the feminine principle is the principle that gives birth, gives life. And the masculine principle isn't. In fact, the masculine principle is the one that goes killing things. It's the destructive principle. It's the Kali, the god Kali in Hinduism, the destroyer. But it's the feminine principle is the life giver. But ladies, don't let that go to your false personality. Julie. Yeah, Julie. <laughs> <laughs> Most American women don't have a clue what the feminine principle is because they're all masculine and they're all destroyers. And the proof of that is it only takes one alive, alert, conscious feminine principle in a marriage to make the marriage work. But unfortunately, there are two masculine principles in the marriage, and that's why the divorce rate is over 50%. But any woman could change that if she could be feminine, if she could allow the feminine principle to work. But in America, we are unable to do that because we're part of the organic film of life that's coding this planet, and we are reacting to all these other things. And we have no self-will. We have hundreds of thousands of self-wills. And so we can't do that. But you could learn to do it. You could learn to make your marriage a garden of paradise. You won't, but you could. It's possible. And then maybe someday in a couple of lifetimes you will. Neither here nor there. Right now we're working on something else. And so if that comes, great. If it doesn't come, oh well. I just like to throw that theory out there so your mind has something to work on. Just the same way I would throw a piece of meat to the little barking dog at the gate so that I can sneak past while it's eating the meat. So I'll sneak past and try and get to something deeper in you. This is only possible climbing this ladder of being, obeying the practical teachings of the work. is only possible through sacrifice. We can't behave as we always do and rise. But have you noticed that we behave as we always do? It's such a rare occasion that we behave in some other way, in some better way. We all know better and act worse. We must sacrifice our suffering. Oh, yes, yes. Well, here, come and get mine. Uh -huh. Okay, well, let's, let's take a list. Okay, how about your self-pity? Could I have your self-pity? Oh, not today. Yeah. How about vanity? Can I have your vanity? Well, where would I be without it? <laughs> well, let's find out. Sacrifice it and let's find out. How about your secret fears? You willing to give up your secret fears? No, that's why they're secrets. How about uh, self-sentimentality? Mm-hmm. You can't because it's who you are. Inner accounting. Oh, now you're going too far. <laughs> you're going for preaching the meddling. Yeah, now you're going for preaching the meddling. Now you're going too far. How about moaning and groaning? You ready to give up your moaning? No way. You're going to take all the little joys of life. You're going to take what makes life worth living. How about self-coddling? I did this. I deserve that. I deserve my rest. Where's my dinner? Get me my slippers. Um, get me my pipe. I want my robe. Uh, get out of my chair. All that self 
coddling, yes. I, I knew if I went long enough, I'd hit everybody. I just love it. I love this. is like playing. This is like being in an orchestra, being the conductor in an orchestra. And you finally get to this instrument. And you know, and you play the, and you got the right thing for this instrument, and it all of a sudden, without knowing what it's doing, it's all of a sudden played. Wah! Wah! Oh, that's me. That's my job, just to dance around, stepping on all of these big, fat, infected toes sticking out <laughs> until they're all until they're all screaming in agony in the symphony of pain that we call life. But it's all done for the work here. All this must be sacrificed to the sun and burned up in the fire of increasing consciousness. You know, ancient cultures, we all think they worship the sun. They, they sacrifice to the sun. And perhaps they did in an outer way. Perhaps they understood in an inner way what it meant. Perhaps sun worship was not such a bad thing. Christianity is sun worship. They just spell it with an O instead of a U. All of this can be burned up, will be burned up, in the fire of increasing consciousness. So here's what I ask you to do. Practically, ask yourself, what situations have I transformed? And now, ask yourself, what situations can I transform? And then get to the work, get to the business of transforming the situations that you can, trans that you can transform and allowing the others to simply pass. When they come up again, maybe you'll have what it takes to transform the situation. If not, don't worry about it. Don't fret. Transform what you are able to transform. Go with the best eyes that you can find in yourself. If you can find no better eyes in yourself, go with the hope of a better eye. Often the practical application of these ideas sounds like it's going to be easy. The ideas sound great. When we actually run into a situation or a person who's being a little more difficult than we'd like, we find it's not as easy as we thought it was going to be. If you've hit a snag with some aspect of this work and its practical application, in your everyday life, I invite you to write James at SolidRockVista.com. Sometimes a fresh perspective is all it takes to get us back on the right track.